Welcome to the Step In, Step Up podcast. This is a conversation designed to help you get the most out of your Step In, Step Up journey. Today, we have a great episode, so get ready. It's Step In, Step Up time with your two favorite pastors, and I'm never going to start a podcast like that again. So you you save this one, save this up to your phone, because I might delete it when we're done. <laughs> um, um, man, nothing like a new week and a new podcast. You do good what do you think about the 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 there's no nba news to talk about so i guess we could get down to business i uh, yeah we can we can jump straight into shut it. up matt just stop talking um <laughs> uh, we are in the final chapter of the Step In, Step Up podcast. Through the month of August, uh, we'll be finishing out our Step In and Step Up campaign and finishing strong. Uh, hey, we have this idea that we should keep this podcast going, and, and we want to know from you guys as we continue. When we finish this in August, what kind of ideas do you have for us as a podcast? Where would you like to see this thing go? What would be helpful for you? If you have ideas on that, if you just email info at Momentum San Diego.com, info at MomentumSanDiego.com. Uh, we would love to hear how this podcast could serve you better. Um, also, as we're going, we're in August, and we are challenging people to step in and step up their generosity. Now, for the majority of the podcast, you're going to hear um, why we believe that matters, but I want to tell you uniquely our challenge for everybody this month. Uh, we want to see Momentum people step in and step up in generosity. You probably heard this weekend that there's these different levels of giving. Um, there is regular giving where you pick amount, a dollar amount and say, you know what? Week by week, I'm going to give this amount away. Um, beyond that, there's this crazy jump that people make. And I honestly think this is one of the biggest and most powerful jumps in the giving journey, but it is to move from a regular dollar amount to percentage giving. Um, Jeremy, if somebody didn't know the difference between percentage giving and regular giving, how would you describe that? And what's the difference is there? Sure. So like when you're talking about it, regular giving is like saying, Hey, I'm going to give $25 every single Sunday. Uh, and you just pick a random number and that's what you give percentage giving. Those when you're like, okay, how much do I actually make a year or how much do I actually make a month? And what is a percentage of that? So if you, just to keep things simple, if you found out, Hey, I made a thousand dollars a month and I wanted to give 5% of that, well then that's $50 a month. And math right. (laughs) And so it's just saying, Hey, I'm going to pick a percentage of my income and I'm going to faithfully give it. Um, the reason that those are, that, that, that those are two different steps is that for most of us in our journey, when we first start giving regularly, we just pick something that's super easy to give, or we just pick a dollar amount that we won't even miss. I can give $20 a week because I honestly, I'd spend that on something else anyway. And it doesn't even really matter. Percentage giving is when you start to actually say, okay, I'm giving an amount that's going to make me examine how I live my life. Yeah, that's cool. And and that's powerful. Not only for the giver, you start to think about your faith differently, but that is powerful in terms of the impact you make with your giving. Um, People picture giving as like somebody gets on a stage and tells a story of somebody without resources or a hungry child. And you go, wow, I'm so moved. And then you give and that makes you generous. I'll tell you what, people who are regular percentage givers eat those people for breakfast when it comes to world impact. Yeah, just to make sure that people understand that are listening what we're talking about. Like, you do hear that. You hear someone says, hey, there's this immediate need, there's this huge need, can you give? And you're like, you know what? I am I was moved by that, the need is legitimate, I'm going to give $100. And you're like, okay, $100 can go a long way. That The percentage giver, though, that's giving $50 a month, mm-hmm. over the course of a year, yeah. gives 
what is that? Uh, six hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> We're math majors here. Uh, give six hundred dollars. That's six times what the emotional giver gave that one time. Now I'm not saying don't ever give emotionally. I'm not saying don't ever like give to a specific need. Absolutely, do those things. But the power of a percentage giver yes. is that over time it accumulates and can really do a whole lot. Yep, absolutely. And so back to our little giving journey and our challenge for momentum members is to take a step forward from maybe I don't give yet to I want to start regular giving from regular giving to percentage giving or percentage giving to what we're calling extravagant giving. How do you do that? Well, our challenge is for all of our percentage givers to step in and step up by giving an extra 2% between now and the end of the year. That's between now and the end of the year. Um, This does all kinds of things. Uh, This provides a foundation of support for the church plant that we're hoping to do early 2020, among other things. And so we're pumped about that. Now, what we're going to do, though, is talk less nuts and bolts and more about the impact of giving. Um, What we see and what you notice is Jesus was always talking about our relationship with wealth. And I think mostly because he understood there is a connection between our heart and soul and the way we handle our wealth. Uh, there, there's a line there, and, and that's not just like this condemning bad news thing. This is something worth examining because that means the way we handle what we have can grow our souls and impact our lives and our walk with Jesus. And so uh, we're just going to outline today some of the ways that that actually happens. Um, so this is going to just be like a, a, uh, a quick hit. Here you go. Here's some reasons you should think about continuing your generosity journey. Jeremy, what would you say? Uh, sure. First reason, first thing that begins to happen when you give. The first thing, and this might not be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this to happen, but it's so powerful when yeah. it does, is generosity breaks the power of greed inside of a person. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times we tend to think of greed as being something that only affects the rich people, like, oh, rich people are greedy or, you know, super well. But honestly, greed is not a matter of how much money's in your bank account. Greed's a matter like a condition of your heart. We've all been around people that are super stingy, that are like... You know, you, you, you hate that that friend that every time you guys go out, they always st- like stick you with the check. They never yeah. pick anything up. Like, and so when you start to become generous, generosity is what breaks the power of greed in your heart. That's it right. is the antidote. As you become generous, you become a less greedy person. Mm. Uh, Matt, give us one of a billion examples of what what that looks like. I think like this. The, um, I, I this is like my go to preaching illustration. I happened upon this one day. I think it's something God gave me to help explain this. And I keep a stack of baseball cards uh, in a drawer that I use for this illustration. But I just want you to picture uh, two people who collect cards, okay? Picture two baseball card collectors. They like the Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron cards that are worth thousands. Imagine both of these card collectors having a room in their home where all these baseball cards are with their baseball memorabilia. The rooms look pretty much identical, you know, nice wood shelves, cards, the whole thing. And these two people collect and they go and they buy about the same amount of cards each year that are worth about the same amount of money. And they've got, we'll call it $30,000 invested in these baseball cards. Now we'll call one collector A and collector B. Now they do everything basically identical except for this one habit. Collector A keeps all his cards up there, nice, takes care of them. 
But Collector B started this weird hobby where in addition to collecting cards, once a month, he finds a friend, he brings him into that room, and he says, I want you to take any card from this room. Every single month he does this. And so uh, weekly or monthly, he brings somebody, Collector B brings someone in, lets them choose whatever card they want, and walk out with it. Now, picture this going on for five years. One friend comes in, takes a card every single month, and Collector A has just kept collecting. Collector B has kept collecting, but has also given away a card a month for five years. At the end of the five years, both of these collectors' houses spontaneously combust and burn to the ground. This is my story. So in my story, they spontaneously combust. It works. It could have been an electrical failure, but no. Okay. Um, Both houses burn to the ground. Which collector is more devastated in that moment? I mean, obviously A. Yeah, Yeah. Because what happened, though? B started this habit of slowly and steadily being generous with the cards, and all of a sudden we can see so clearly that they had less of a connection to these cards through this act of generosity. I think the same thing happens in us. Um, I think you see that, but we've talked at length about the internal changes and, yeah. and, and something you see culturally that changes, and, and it's really a way to break free from a cultural pattern. What, share, share that with them. Okay. I love the way you talk about it. Here's, here's another thing that happens when you start practicing generosity. Your anxiety goes down. Talk to me about that. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this from my own life. Um, I grew up relatively poor. Uh, so people are always like, well, what do, what do you mean by relatively poor? Stuff like that. I remember in middle school, I had two pairs of pants that mm-hmm. I owned. Okay, so that was, that was where it was at. So for me, money has always been kind of a source of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted more. I've always uh, put a lot of faith and trust in making sure enough money was coming in. And when God started to work on me and started to change my heart and change my mind about this, one of the things that I noticed is that the more I trust God with my finances, the more and the more that I practice generosity, the less anxious I become. But here's the here's the crazy thing. The less anxious my family became as well. This Whoa, really this really awesome. this really came to a head a couple years ago when I was talking to my daughter um, and I was just I was doing some sort of like family devotional thing. And one of the questions was like Ask your children what's most important to your family. Mm. And so I asked Lisa, hey, Lisa, what do you think is really important to our family? And she said, uh, you know, God, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, and money. Hmm. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Because I've, I've not had a whole lot of conversations with, uh, with my daughter about money. And she's like, well, it just seems like you talk about it a lot and you're always worried about it. Like, How much is oh, in the... Oh, no. And it's one of those like, okay, yeah, here's what's really happening. Another thing that I noticed is that I always put a lot of pressure on Kim, my wife, uh, to make sure like, hey, are you are you getting overtime if it's available? You know, mm-hmm. you know, putting that stuff like that. And when I'm generous, I start realizing that God can take care of those things mm. and I don't have to. Mm-hmm. So basically, the, the, whole, the whole idea that the world works on is that you've got to accumulate, you've got to get enough stuff, and it's up to you and it depends all upon you. Yeah. That's really nerve-wracking because how do you actually know when you have enough? Oh, that's right. Or you do get the house, you do get the cars, and now you've got to maintain them. And not not just maintain them, like keep them in good condition. Eventually, you've got to get the newest model. You got to get, it. and so no, no matter what amount of money you get, there's always a certain level of anxiety that I've I've got to maintain this lifestyle now, or I can't let people know where I'm really coming from, or something like that. 
And that, like I said, that produced anxiety in me. It produced anxiety in my wife. It was producing anxiety in my daughter. And when I just started practicing more and more generosity, I can trust that God's going to take care of those things. Not that I don't have to still pay bills, not that I still don't have to take care of some things, but I know that God is going to take care of that for me. And because he does so, I'm free to be a freer person. I just stopped playing the game. You just like, yeah. you ever seen that happen? You got yeah. anything you want to add to that part? Well, I think you're, I'm, 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 my mind, I got all these pathways yeah. lighting up about scripture. You know, originally, yeah, okay, here's two things. You're making a declaration when you give. Yeah. I mean, you could picture the person battling a disease singing a worship song. And they're singing a song, you know, like Amazing Grace about how, you know, hey, I may be dying, but, you know, you're singing Amazing Grace and you're thinking about how through Jesus you're overcoming. And so you would be singing and declaring that over your situation. Well, giving, when when you get online and you give, you're making a declaration about who you're really trusting. And I'm going back to the Old Testament. Yeah. They were agrarian. They grew all their crops and they were in a time where they, they knew people who had starved to death or they knew stories of times past when there were, you know, famines, famines or plagues, yeah. plagues that wiped out the crops. And then God says to them, I want you to set aside a tenth of your, your wine and oil. Well, why would he do that? God does not need wine and oil. But, man, he was challenging them to make a declaration that they trust him more than their ability to dig their claws into what they have and keep. And, dude, I, I'm literally just going to – I'm going to think on that when I ride my bike home today. Um, I think we've talked a little bit in the last podcast, uh, if you listen to my story, about just opening my eyes and, and, and to a whole other world that, and a whole other game that, you know, that I didn't even know was a – available to me. Also grew up in humble circumstances, you know, blue collar family, you work this many hours, you get paid this much, and then you try and make it all work. Um, but then I saw through my journey, you know, you're open, your eyes become open to like, maybe God's got a few more dimensions to finance than we realize. What comes to your mind when I start talking about that? I think about this, like, so here's something that we would all pretty much agree on. If you had all the money in the world, but you were the most lonely person ever, you wouldn't say that you had made a good trade. We, we would all pretty much agree on that. So we understand that there are things beyond money that matter. Uh, relationships, friendships, good health, there's stuff like that. That I mean, you'd see how much people who are sick are willing to pay in order to try to find a, a cure for whatever their ailment is. Well, one of the things that generosity does is it taps into worlds that you weren't aware of, that things that you just did not know existed. And Here's one of the things that I, that I can point to from my own story. When I have grown in my generosity, weird things start to happen that you just did not expect. Uh, I'll give you a great example. Um, when I first came on staff at a church, I'd been a middle school English teacher. Oh, you were making big bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, the funny thing was, and this is funny. I left my job teaching because they told me I was going to um, I was going to come on staff at, in like August. Okay, start of the school year, whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then they're like, oh, 
we don't we weren't expecting you to start till January. There had been a miscommunication <laughs> between a minor miscommunication. Yeah, and so for five months, I was like, okay, do I like I just I had to like make a decision within like a week Ooh. because I either had to like renew my contract yeah. as a teacher or I had to trust. And I'm like, is this what God actually has for me? Can I trust that God will provide and take this step of faith? And I was like. I feel this is what God's doing. And for me, this was huge because it meant five months of where I did not know where my money, like paychecks were coming from, stuff like that. The number of times God showed up in that five months was just uncanny. Um, Not just in the fact of like people providing me resources, but things that just like this bill was supposed to come in and it came in and it was like $50 instead of $400 or, you know, stuff like, like just thing after thing after thing where I'm like, okay, there is clearly more that's going on here than I'm aware of. Let let me ask you this though, because let's sit down on that like time of scarcity. Yeah. And I want to put myself in the shoes with somebody who feels like right now is that time of scarcity. Mm -hmm. And like, let's just imagine they're like, you guys, I love Jesus I love momentum. I love the idea of stepping in and stepping up. But right now, I'm not sure I can afford it. Like, I'm in my season of scarcity. Yeah. How do I get from where I am to this God showing up and helping thing that you're talking about? Sure. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to tell that that person if I were sitting across from them. First thing I would say is, okay, what we're going to do is you and I are going to pray about this together for a week. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to say, God, do I need to give? Mm -hmm. Do I need to give? Because I don't want to guilt you into giving. No, I don't want to shame you into giving. I don't want you to be like, well, don't you understand that you live in the United States and it's the wealthiest country, blah, blah, blah. Like, just like, hey, I want God to talk to this person yeah. first. And then I want to say, hey, here's the deal. I don't want you to start at a number that's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. I want you to start because here's the deal. I didn't st- I didn't one day say I haven't given anything and now I'm trusting God with my whole life. Yeah. I want you to let God show up. Mm -hmm. So I want you to start with something you think you can do. Mm -hmm. And here's the deal. I want you to let God prove himself to you through this. I trust that God will prove himself more than any explanation that I can give, more than any Mm -hmm. fact about, hey, if you do this, this happens in your life. What I saw and what I continue to see is that every step I take is always scary. I wish I could tell you that I've gotten to the point in my generosity journey where it becomes natural and easy, and it. but every single time I grow in my generosity, it always scares me. Mm -hmm. It always is, because I'm like, hey... My kids are at this age. They need this now. My, you know, whatever. This life ha- situation's happening. And every single time, God shows up in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. He just always does. So I would tell that person, start taking small baby steps towards God and see what God does. Yep. And if you and if you you don't have to trust me on it, you don't let let God prove himself. Man, that's perfect because I think uh, you know, one of the things we wanted to share today is that you're going to know God better and know him differently yeah. than, than if you choose not to give. And here's, let me set the record straight too. Um, I'm not saying that you give a little and, and some minor God things will happen. You give big and then some big God things are happening. That is crooked, corrupt <laughs> thinking yeah. and bad theology. We're saying no matter where you're at on this God journey, when you make that declaration by giving or when you go, oh, my goodness, I'm nervous and uncertain about this. 
um, but I'm going to try it. No matter where you're at, we think you're going to see ways where you will come to know God better and know him differently um, through this. I was, um, man, one of my, one of my favorite ones that did not get into the podcast last week as I shared my generosity journey, uh, was early in Brit and I's marriage. Uh, she worked at a Starbucks. I worked uh, as a church intern and then I picked up a job at a gym and tanning bed center. I don't, we're in Southern California. I don't know if tanning beds were a thing out here in the, the nineties and two thousands. I'm not sure if that lands anywhere because our whole state is a tanning bed, but still there are these things called tanning beds with bright neon lights, uh, that middle class <laughs> housewives can't get enough of in the Midwest. They're gone now, but anyways, uh, I've already said too much, but anyways, I worked at a gym, Brit worked at a Starbucks church intern. I mean, combined, uh, we weren't, we weren't breaking $17,000 in household income. And we were doing our level best, and we were exactly where we felt God wanted us to be. And so um, so we moved into an apartment with brown carpet. The neighbors below us smoked like chim- like nonstop. There was a haze in our apartment and yellow walls. We weren't smokers, but the people downstairs were. And I have a picture of when we moved in, and I, we took these on purpose. The, the pantry had about four cans of soup in it. One of them came with the apartment. And that was our life. And I think I was put, we were trying to pay for Brit's education too at the time. And I mean, there was literally a time when, okay, we don't have enough. Um, We just aren't going to make it. And I had, uh, I had, we opened the mail and pulled out a check for 210-ish dollars, which was exactly what we needed to make ends meet that month. That happened. And and um, I don't think that would have happened without our generosity journey in that time. And, and I mean, it doesn't really, I mean, there's that that is a moment between us and God, and it's unmistakable that it was God to us. Um, that shaped us and, and and shaped the way we look for opportunities to do that that as well. Um, I, I can just tell you how how I've seen God do His thing through that. Another thing that I I think um, people underestimate is that when you become generous, you become just more attractive to the world around you. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean physically attractive, although I'm sure that doesn't <laughs> hurt. Uh, I'm just talking about the fact of like. People want to be around someone who's a generous person. Yes. Uh, and the best way I can explain this is, so at that church that I was talking about earlier, I came on staff there. Now, here's the deal. My background, I did not go to Bible college. I went to, uh, <gasps> yeah, <I'm just> <laughs> I went to a state school. I was a middle school English teacher. I came on board uh, church. Uh, I came on board uh, as a staff member in a middle school uh, ministry. And so all the people on staff for the most part, all had Bible college backgrounds and they all knew each other because there was only like three Bible schools that people came from that worked on that staff. Mm-hmm. So I did not have relationships with any of these people, but I wanted to, you know, like right, I, wanted, right. I wanted to hang out. So I was just like, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to just start buying people lunch. Yeah. Um, and you know why? Because everyone likes a free lunch. <laughs> and here's the deal. I wanted friends. I needed a way in. And so honestly, like I, I just got to be able to build relationships with a lot of the student ministry team, the kids ministry team, and just the general church uh, people in general just by 
buying people's lunches. Now, here's the deal. Back at the time, it's only like five or six bucks, you know, something like that. It's not costing me a ton to go over and get some. There was like this super cheap Chinese restaurant that was uh, like walking distance from um, where our church was. So it's just like, hey, you want to go get lunch? I'm buying. You want to go get lunch? I'm buying. Well, here, here's what, hey, I was also the beneficiary of one of those lunches. And it was, man, China Bistro yeah, right absolutely. up the street. Absolutely. Thank you. Shout out. Uh, you know, every other episode we do comes back to Chinese food sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, here's what people aren't, here's what you might be missing. Don't underestimate how biblically rooted this idea is. Uh, I've not gotten to preach this passage yet, but I can't wait. Jesus has this great parable he tells yeah. about this, oh, yeah. this shrewd manager, and he basically does what Jeremy did in, in a different way. And in Luke 16, 9, it says, I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. That's in scripture. I mean, straight out of the mouth of King Jesus is the words, use your wealth to gain friends. And, and I know I'm talking about this in, in a slightly selfish way, like, hey, I wanted friends, so therefore I bought people lunch. But here's the deal. like, If we took this and just applied it to the world around us, uh, there's a guy I like, uh, an Australian guy, and he has this whole idea that you can eat your way Toward, uh, the, the key, like you can Praise. eat your way towards uh, evangelism. I don't evangelism. even know what he's about to say, but I'm in. He's like, no, seriously, you can eat your way to evangelism. Yeah. He's like, just keep hosting dinners and inviting people over to eat. He's like, and when you do, you'll get to know people better. And when you get to know people better, they get you get to have conversations about Jesus. He's like, you can you can save the whole world by just inviting people over to dinner often enough. All right. And I mean, here, and I, and I, he kind of says it facetiously. He kind of says it as a joke, but I mean, there's some truth to that. But here's the deal: getting back to it all at the very bottom. Generosity makes Christianity attractive to the world. Yes, there you go. We want to. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to know the love of Jesus. We want people to know the saving grace that is found in Jesus. If we are stingy, mm. how can we ever talk about a generous God? Oh. So generosity is a reflection of the Father that uh, that loves us, and it's a, f- a reflection of the Jesus that we're trying to be like. And so when, when you are a generous person, you're living into your identity. You're living into who you were called mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And so— of all these things that we've talked about, opening up doors, opening up opportunities, one of the things we haven't even talked about is the the whole fact that when you're a generous person with your finances, God can start trusting you with more spiritual resources. I, I, I just think about all the things that the world could be blessed with if Jesus' followers were generous. Mm-hmm. It's not that we lack oh, resources. Yeah. It's not that we lack... I mean... If you took all the Christians in the world there it is, yeah. and just said, hey, and we all became as generous as we possibly could. And I know that looks different for each person. I'm not going to put a dollar amount on it. But like, if everyone just lived a life of generosity, it probably wouldn't take 15 to 20 years to see the whole world just come to Christ. Yeah, that's uh, my here. One of my spiritual heroes, Mark Moore, says that he's like, there's no major humanitarian crisis that doesn't already have its funding within the walls of the local church. Oh, that's good. That's I was really like, good. dang, and he's right. You pick one. You know, fatherlessness, homelessness, HIV AIDS, uh, the water crisis in nations that don't have access to clean drinking water. Um, we already have the resources to do these things. But, but again, Romans eight nineteen creation waits in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. That means there's a world out there that's actually hurting, and they are waiting on us 
to, to, by God's grace and the power of his spirit, be everything he's made us to be. And so we're going to talk the next couple podcasts, some more practical stuff and some more um, application stuff. But honestly, for this, like just to wrap it up today, let's just talk about some of the things like just hit the main points again. Here's what happens when you become a generous person. One, you break the power of greed in your life. Two, your anxiety goes down. Three, you become aware of planes of existence that you didn't even know existed before. Five, what are we on? Number four. Four, four, you know God better. Five, you gain relationships. Six, you get to see God move in this world. All of that tied just to the idea of generosity. So Matt, just, just to make it, I know we hit it at the beginning of the podcast, but just to make sure that we make it as clear as possible for people, for the people that we're challenging to step in and step up to generosity, how would they go about doing this? What should they do? Again, uh, our hope, our heart is you take a step forward in your generosity journey. Uh, as a matter of fact, we don't want you to make some crazy declaration, proclamation, or financial gift. We want you to just take a simple step forward because, uh, A, that's where growth is found, and B, that's where true impact happens. So if you've been a person this far and you just kind of give sporadically, oh, cool, they kind of need something, we, we want to challenge you to become a regular giver. Pick a regular amount. If you're a regular giver, you have a set amount you give, we want you to transition that to percentage given, where you switch and, and look at your income and decide, I want to be a percentage giver, set aside a percent every time I get paid. If that's already you, uh, we're challenging you between now and the end of the year to increase your percentage by 2%. Um, this is going to do some things uh, and through momentum. A, it's going to open the doors to new opportunities to impact our community uh, as we try and bring Jesus to a world that needs them. B, it's going to lay a foundation of support for the church plant uh, that we have coming in 2020. And C, I just tell you again, I believe God challenges us to give as his people because he wants something for us, not from us. And uh, I just believe wholeheartedly we're going to grow as a faith community uh, closer to Jesus as we do this together. All right. And before we wrap up this podcast, I think we need to hit our favorite segment oh, of every week. Oh, snap. Volunteer of the week. All right, Matt, who should we nominate? We've got who we got the one, the only, Maddie Joe Northcutt. Tell me a little bit about Maddie Joe. Coming straight out of... The middle school ministry. She exploded on the scene last year as one of the greatest student small group leaders I've ever seen. I'll tell you this. Uh, you've worked with middle school kids before, and I have too. I'm not sure there's a more difficult service position than it's up middle there. school it's group up there. leader. Okay? If you, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's up at the top of the mountain. And this kid is amazing. I said kid. She's mid-20s. Um, she loves on kids. She genuinely cares for them. Uh, there were so many different times she came rolling in a middle school house last semester with extra snacks, extra drinks and stuff for the kids that she just picked up on her way because she felt like it reaching into her own pocket just to like help make an impact. Um, she, she is so kind, so loving to so many, and a beloved part of the Momentum family. So, Maddie, we appreciate you. Uh, we love you, and we are grateful for the investment you're making in kids. Maddie Joe, you are this week's volunteer. You will be getting an amazing gift as soon as they come in. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're on back order, y'all. We, we got them on layaway. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, we, we have something really cool coming for her and all our other volunteers of the month. And uh, and so, yeah, we got more Step In, Step Up coming next week. Uh, hey, 
shout us out. Help us spread this podcast in the Momentum family. Share it, rate it, uh, post it. Whatever you do, however you want to do it. Don't forget to send in your ideas for the next chapter of our podcast as we journey in September. All that being said, we love you guys. Peace. See you.